Welcome to How Do You Write? I'm your host, Rachel Heron. On this podcast, I talk to authors about how they write, what their process is, and how their lives fit together. I'll keep each episode short so you can get back to writing. Well, hello, writers. Welcome to episode number 281 of How Do You Write? I'm Rachel Heron, and I'm so glad that you are here with me today on this quick episode that I do annually on how much money I made. I do this because I feel like it's important. I do this because there is not enough transparency in the publishing world. Um, And I do this because I'm in this awesome place of being able to share this. And I do make money from being a full-time writer. I make good money from it. And I do this because I want to inspire others that it can be done. I have more and more feelings around it every year. Uh, And I've always transparent with you all. And that's what I want to continue doing. So I will just say that this year I made more than I ever had before. And I feel a funny way about it because money is a fraught subject. It can be taboo in many cultures uh, and many societies in many different strata of people. I am losing my words because I'm actually nervous about it. I made $190,000. Oh my God. I think I made $190,000. That's from my accounting. And I always underestimate. And multiple years when I actually do my taxes in a few months, my tax person has said, oh, you actually made more than that. And here's what it was. So I can say pretty much with certainty that I made at least $190,000. Holy crap right? And there's a part of me every year that wants to say, I don't want to talk about this anymore. I don't, I don't, I don't want people to feel bad or weird or, or be angry at me, which is dumb to have this feeling, but it's a feeling and I have it and it's real. So I'm just voicing it. What I want to do with you is kind of um, walk you through what I made and uh, what my thoughts are around what I made and a little bit about what I want to do differently next year. Um, I am also going to be doing a mini episode podcast of my goals for 2022 pretty soon here. I never do that, um, but I like goals. I like goals and I like talking about them and I don't mind moving them when I need to. So uh, that'll be coming up. We won't do that in this episode. This, This episode is about money, money, honey, and it's exciting. So uh, first of all, let's talk about how things broke down overall. I'm going to start from uh, what I made the least and then move up to the thing that made me the most money. So um, I made $900 from my online courses. I only have one <laughs> courses. I only have one online course that is, and when I say online course, I mean uh, one that is standalone. You walk yourself through it. I don't touch it. It's basically just always chugging along in the background. It is literally passive income. I made the class, how to stop selling and get your writing done. Probably, oh gosh, it was before I quit the day job. So six or seven years ago. Um, and it you know made almost a thousand dollars with me doing nothing. I keep meaning to make more standalone hands-off online courses. And it's never something that I seem to have the time to do. Maybe this year, um, that'd be great. Uh, the next thing I made money on was I made $1,125 on query letters that I charge $100 
to uh, fix a query letter, that weird $25 thing in there is every once in a while, somebody will send something to me that is so good. And it only takes me a very short amount of time to fix. And I will chop off money as I see fit. I won't take $100 if it's not worth that, if it's already in great shape. Um, so $1,125 for query letters. I'm going to cancel that service. I just decided this as I was looking at money. Uh, so I generally get one or, you know, one-ish a month. I know that I gave people full refunds a couple of times. So I probably get a little bit more on average than one query letter a month. And every time I get one in my email, it kind of stresses me out just time-wise. When am I going to fit the time in? I want to get this back to them in 48 hours. When am I going to get the time to do that? It's not worth $1,100 to me. So I am going to unpublish that page. And I'm very sorry if you're just hearing about that service for the first time, uh, but I'm not offering it anymore. And there are great resources resources out there. Please go look at agentquery.com. Ooh, perhaps in its place, I will just share. Ooh. Oh, or maybe I'm, I'm thinking on the spot here, y'all. I have something that I call uh, Rachel's Magic Query Letter Formula because query letters are a science and your only job is to not get a no from the person reading the inbox at the agent's office, the intern usually. Um, and if they can't say no for a good reason, then they have to ask for a partial or a full. So I think that I'm going to make that a little benefit to signing up for my newsletter list. Uh, and I will also put it out to the newsletter. So if you're already on the newsletter list, within the next week or two, I will send that out. So make sure you're on it. Go to rachelherron.com slash write to get Rachel Heron's magic formula for queries, which I've only ever given to students. I've never put it out in the world. Um, and now that I'm not doing the job, I'm gonna let you do the job. And uh, it's everything I've learned over the years. And I'm really good at writing queries. This is way more than I meant to say about query letters. But the query letters I help with get agents. Hey! There, I said it. Uh, okay. Uh, for audio, for um, auto, uh, books on audio, I made $2,225. And my assistant tells me I'm very close to completely being in the black. Um, I shelled out a few years ago $3,000 a book uh, for three books. What books were they? They must have been the Darling Songbirds. Uh, and I'm so I think I think I might be in the black now and making money. So every dime that comes in on anything audio now goes to me now that I've paid off the upfront costs of getting those done. I do not regret it. I love having the audiobooks out there. And my narrator, Xe Sands, is incredible, uh, but they're not cheap. Uh, okay, so for coaching, I do um, coaching with students uh, and are, are with writers. I made $8,200. That was fantastic. Um, with Patreon, which is something I love doing. And that's those essays I write that you have heard about that I love writing. And I'm currently writing the book about leaving the United States and starting a new life in a new country. And uh, on Patreon, I made $14,460. Fantastic. Uh, if you are interested in supporting me there and reading those essays, you can always go to patreon.com slash Rachel, R-A-C-H-A-E-L. Um, and then, so two more, two more columns here. I made um, money for books, which is always the most important and interesting column. And then I made more money from teaching. My new, actually, I'll tell you about goal in, in a minute. Uh, what I made from books is really exciting. 
I made more than I have in a, in a long time, uh, $57,000. I made $50, $57,000 from books. And uh, that breaks down to, um, I made 1500 no, sorry, I made $15,000 from New York writing. I'm doing some clicking. I thought I already had this math done and I can't do it in my head. So not, not on the spot. Um, so I made $42,000 self-publishing and $15,000 New York traditional publishing. I really like self-publishing, especially that I didn't release anything new this year with a caveat. And we're going to talk about that in a minute. Uh, so exciting. I made $57,000 from my books going into people's hands and they were reading them. And it is literally the dream come true. And I never get over it. And I am grateful for it every day. Another thing that I'm very grateful for is this next line item. And this is the one that makes me feel funny. You guys, this is, this is just so weird to me, but from teaching and in this bucket, I include um, my 90 days classes. I include all the teaching I do for places like Stanford and Berkeley. I only taught at Stanford last year in 2021. I didn't teach at Berkeley at all. Um, everything had gone to zoom. So it was a little bit weird. And uh, Rachel says, right. Those kind of like um, hanging out with student things that I charge for. I made a lot of money. I made $106,000, $106,230 on teaching all told. And here are where some of my feelings come from. One of them is, Rachel, do you get to call yourself a person who makes money as a writer if you're teaching? Isn't it such a dumb question? And it goes through my head. It, it runs through my body, especially when I'm making more money from teaching than writing books, which I have for years. And that's what happens um, a lot to writers. It is hard to make money from books alone, which is why I've got all these different sources of income, income streams coming into my one bank account. That is the goal. Uh, what I want, this is my goal. And I don't know if I can turn this around looking at the numbers, it will be hard. It would be very hard to turn this around um, by next year, but I'm going to give it a shot because dream big. I would like to make in 2022, I would like to make more money from book sales than I do from teaching. Wouldn't that be cool? I have a very clear, desperate, desired goal to break six figures just writing, just books. I would love to do that. That is, that's the next goal on my horizon uh, when, when we're talking about monetary goals. So um, that's the breakdown uh, of, I'm going to go a little bit into the books now, and I'm going to pull up my assistant Ed's wonderful notes here. Um, so I made the most from the Darling Songbirds series, which is a three book series plus a box set. I made 35% of my income from that. It's a uh, romance series and it does really well. And uh, after, right, at, right, by, right behind that at 33%, um, I made the most from my nonfiction, from Fast Draft Your Memoir and from A Life in Stitches. Let me flip over to those books here. And I think those numbers are right here. And I'll tell you actually 
um, what I made from each, because I think that's also interesting. Fast draft your memoir. I made about $7,700 on fast draft your memoir, which is really cool. That's 3,555 books sold. And that is a self-published book. It is based on the class I teach at Stanford and I love it. It's, it's a good book. I'm proud of it. And I love that it made that much money. Um, here's where it gets interesting. A Life in Stitches made $5,433. So almost as much as Fast Drafter Memoir. A Life in Stitches is a, uh, is a memoir. It is a memoir that came out 10 years ago. Because my wonderful assistant, Ed Giordano, who you have heard on the show, he's on episode 200, uh, is always nagging me with love. He gives like the best nudges. He's just so reliable at coming back and saying, Rachel, have you, have you done that yet? Have you done that yet? Have you done that yet? And I do it because I want to please him. And also, so I don't have to say I haven't done it again. And he is responsible for so much of this success this year because he's the one who um, kept pushing me to get my rights back for A Life in Stitches, which came out. 10 years ago on, uh, from a traditional press, Chronicle Press in San Francisco, and has been out of print and paper for at least six or seven years. It's been available um, in Kindle only. It never got an audiobook. You've heard me talk about it here. Uh, they gave me my rights back. And this year I did the 10-year anniversary edition where I added about 10,000 words and, and extra essays. And I did the audiobook for it myself. It only came out, I want to say in mid-October and it's already done $5,400, uh, almost as much as Fast Draft Your Memoir did for the whole year. I have talked about on the show how I have been experimenting with running ads, something I've never been really good at or wanted to do. Um, and ads is how I have been able to make Life in Stitches sell. The question that always comes up is how much money did you spend in ads, Rachel? And oops, I'm looking at the wrong page. I only spent $2,900, so about $3,000 on ads uh, for the whole year. And for, that's that's the whole year of 2021. I'd like to spend a lot more next year. Um, so of the $57,000 that I made as uh, of books, only 3,000 of that was on ads. So that makes me really happy and really excited about this next memoir that I am polishing up and getting ready to send to the editor. I love creative nonfiction. And apparently I really love selling it. I really love thinking about selling it and marketing and ads and, and things that kind of leave me cold and have left me, left me cold in the past when it comes to my novels. So um, another thing that Ed has done is, you know, he pushed me to try to get my books back from HarperCollins, my first three books in a series that was a five book series that had been bought by a couple of, uh, by a publisher in Australia. So I'd written them for them. Um, long story short, I have all of those books back now. Uh, books back now. It's the Cypress Hollow knitting, knit lit rom com books. There's five in the series and a uh, novella. This year I got, just recently, I got back all the rights. I redid the covers. They're so fun. I did, I was um, I've talked about it on the show, but I had to redo copy edits on it, and 
I realized when I was redoing the copy edits, because I didn't own them and I had to get them done again, uh, that they're really funny books. They're funny. They are funny books. They, they fit in rom-com and rom-com is selling now. And I made rom-com cartoon covers for them because my graphic skills are not great, but they are good enough. And I did that by testing covers on Facebook. I could not tell you how to do this. I learned everything I know from Sky Warren, S-K-Y-E, Warren, like it sounds. Um, she does great classes if you ever have a chance to take anything with her. Uh, but I tested covers on Facebook. Basically, I, was, I wasn't trying to send people to go buy the book because when they got over to the Amazon page, the, there, there were old covers on them. I was testing the covers I was making to see which ones were the clickiest, which ones were the most attractive to readers right now in this temperature, in this climate of book buying, because I cannot tell. I make fantastic covers that are beautiful. And then when I test them, no one clicks on them. They click on the ones that I made just to throw up there just to make sure I shouldn't go that direction. And sure enough, I should go that direction. Um, so I can make the covers. I don't know what are good, but I can use something like Facebook, even though I hate Facebook, uh, which is such a powerful tool for A-B testing and letting you know which covers works. So all this to say, Ed got me to get the rights to my books back. I had them, I copy edited them. I had them copy edited and then proofed. I made new covers. Uh, those sucked. Those weren't very good. They were more women's fiction-y looking. And then I did the rom-com covers and Darling Ed got me a book bub on the first book. The first book was called How to, How to Knit a Love Song. It is now known as Abigail Shop. So all of the books are kind of, all the titles fit now. All the covers make sense. The titles haven't matched and the covers haven't matched for the last 12 years. The first one came out 12 years ago in 2010. And I've had no control over them. Now everything matches. He got the book bub for the first in series free. This book that came out 12 years ago has never been free. It has never been in a book bub as free. And this is really good timing to do the show because uh, the book bub launched yesterday. And for more than 24 hours now, Abigail Shop has been number one free in the store. Not for romance not for women's fiction humor, not for rom-com, number one free in the store for more than 24 hours after today's BookBub blast went out. Um, BookBub will usually drive your book way high up in the, in the free list, um, but it doesn't usually stick. And it's, it's so, there are so many downloads and so many people are buying the second book because there are these whale readers that will read five books in four days. And those are the ones who get BookBub ads and they get your first book free. They read it. They like it. They'll read the whole series before this week is over. They're buying those books. And that's driving the algorithm on all of the different sites, not just Amazon, uh, to see your book and to know that your book is there and to sell your book. And I'm super excited that once the BookBub flash and pizzazz wears off as it always does, I'm going to start playing around with ads because I kind of am enjoying creating the visuals that go along with the ads. And, and for me, that's the, that's the uh, exciting part. And I'm, I've learned how to do this kind of A-B testing and I want to do more of it. And it kind of lights me up. So I'm going to continue doing that. 
But something that I, I want to be very clear about, I could not be making any of this money if I did not own the rights to this work. And I have not owned the rights to these works for so long. Nowadays, I think I own the rights to about half of my catalog, which is at 26 or 27 books or so. Um, I think I own all the rights to them now, probably for, I don't know, 13 or 14 books. Ed would know better than I do. It might be more than that. Those books are precious to me. I get to do whatever I want. Those three books in the Cypress Hollow series that HarperCollins had for the last 12 years that I could not affect their titles, their terrible covers. I mean, they weren't terrible when they came out. They were, they were a great cover for 2010 and 2011. Um, I could not affect anything. I couldn't change anything. I couldn't play with anything. I couldn't change categories. I couldn't uh, change keywords. None of that was available to me. And it's not like you can email the publisher and ask them to do this. They will not do that. They do not have time to do that with their hundreds of thousands of backlist books. And who cares about this? Who cares about doing this work? Me, the one who owns the book and the rights and the intellectual property. And I get to make the decisions of what I do with these books. And it is truly, truly exciting to me. Um, and it's exciting moving forward. And it informs the way I think about what I want to do in the future. Having this control and an interest in marketing means that to me, independent publishing is super, super exciting and super viable, even for my frontless books as I go ahead. That does not, I'm not saying that I will not traditionally publish with my agent anymore, ever. Absolutely not saying that. Uh, but I have to think much more carefully before I do, much more carefully. I have to weigh everything. So, um, I'm just going to peek at my notes again here because I wanted to make sure I told you everything. Yes, I think I hit everything on my list. Uh, it is uncomfortable for me. I will say it again to talk about money. And I have this, I okay, I'm just going to say it. I have this guilt. What right do I have to make this money? What right do I have? These voices rise in our head and it's really useful for me to hear them instead of just feeling the feeling and running away. It's useful for me to hear the voice that says, what right do you have to make this money? And then to brag about it on a podcast. And then the kind, loving, gentle, honest Rachel says, oh, I have a great deal of right. I worked really hard on these books. I work really hard at my job. I work really hard at teaching. It is one of the greatest joys of my life and I'm flipping good at it. Uh, and I have the opportunity to share the hope that people can make money with books, with a lot of people. So <sighs> I'm just going to uh, grip my teeth and edit this and hopefully remember to take out the part where I uh, didn't talk for a while as I was looking for the numbers that Ed had given to me. And uh, then I'm going to publish it. And every year it gets more uncomfortable. And I cannot promise that next year, oh, watch. Watch. I'll make a million dollars this year. And then I won't want to talk about it. Hell no. I want to tell you all about it. And perhaps just acknowledging that I will always be uncomfortable talking about this. Um, when I hear from you all that you like hearing this kind of thing, it does help. So if you ever want to leave a comment 
or drop me an email. Now would be a great time. Again, I am going to release that query letter magic formula. (laughs) If you are interested in going after agents, which you might not be after listening to this, uh, that'll be going out in my newsletter within the next week or two, whenever I think about it, but I need to just write myself a note. So I don't forget that. And I want to thank you for being here as I go all vulnerable-ish on you. Um, Thank you for listening. Thank you for being part of my community, part of my writing community, part of my heart community for the last year or for as many years as you have been listening. It means everything to me, my friends. Okay. Happy writing. You can do this. Thanks so much for joining me on this episode of How Do You Write? You can reach me on Twitter, Rachel Heron, or at my website, rachelheron.com. You can also support me on Patreon and get essays on living your creative life for as little as a buck an essay at patreon.com slash Rachel, spelled R-A-C-H-A-E-L. And do sign up for my free weekly newsletter of encouragement to writers at rachelheron.com slash write. Now go to your desk and create your own process. Get to writing, my friends. <laughs>